talking about Chick-fil-A. Is Chick-fil-A successful because they're the best chicken sandwich around? I mean, it's good chicken. Like, don't get me wrong, but they're not competing on that. They've decided to compete in another, in another area. So when I think of somebody building a brand, I look at it as, yeah, I do believe it comes back to things like mission, vision, values, and things like that. But I think it needs to go a step further. And you really thinking about what are the behaviors that are associated with your brand? Ultimately, that's what my organization and I do. We take what the, who you want your brand to be, and we, we are professional translators. We translate it into behaviors. What are the behaviors that you want your people to take that will, will align with who you want to be as a brand? It doesn't mean you're going to try to be everything to everyone, and you're going to expect to be perfect with everything, but you're going to pick the things that you want to do consistently every single time. And the customers who like that are going to be attracted to you and you're going to win. You're going to win with the segment that you want. So really, if you can take it that extra step and say, here's who we're going to say we want to be, but here are the actions that align. Ask yourself, what does it mean if my organization walks the talk? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. You've got Sean and Lacey here with you. And just like each and every week, first of all, we are super thankful for you for tuning in, whether you're listening on the podcast on your favorite platform, or if you're watching the video, we love having you each and every week. And each and every week, well, almost almost, almost every, every week, week, we bring you a great guest. Now, that's not to say that some weeks there's not a great guest. Some no, weeks it's, it's just, just us. us. So that's <laughs> but when we have a guest, oh, they always knock it out of the park. And I'm super excited today. We're talking brand. Yep. Um, that's something that a lot of people get really confused because when we say brand, sometimes people think logo. That's always what people right? like, think. Oh, I, I, know. I need oh, a new logo. logo. Um, brand. But brand is deeper than that. And then brand also intertwines itself through your marketing and through even your sales process. So we're super excited to have with us Chris Wallace. He's from Interview Group. So I'd love to give this out right at the beginning. Interview, not inter, inner, yes. interviewgroup.com. So if you enjoyed today's uh, discussion, make sure you jump over to over to interviewgroup.com. They got a lot of cool stuff on the website, a lot of opportunity for you to interact. And what I like, I'm excited to ask him about, there's a lot of stuff in here that I'm sure relates to the stuff that he teaches, the stuff that he applies as he's working with clients. Chris, thanks so much for being with us. I appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. All right. So this is the question that we always start off with as we introduce new people to our listeners and our viewers. Um, you know, what's the creation story here? And actually, you know, if you go to your website, you can get a, a bit of it. Um, but you have this background uh, that brings you all the way to this point where now you're being featured on media, doing um, interviews, podcasts, talking to people about their brand. How do we end up here talking to you? What makes you um, an expert in the topic? Uh, how long's the show? Uh, what's the runtime of the show? We might need. A, um, we actually need, yeah. Chapter one, the prologue. No, so um, the really the origin story is, you know, just like any entrepreneur, the path has had some twists and turns. And, you know, the, the way I always tell the story is everybody that works for interview is really a salesperson at heart. And we've all carried a bag. We've all been, you know, uh, you know, out on the street selling whether it's products or services over the years and a variety of different things for a variety of different major brands. 
And, you know, what we found over the years is, you know, we were doing a lot of work directly with sales organizations and working with sales teams. And, you know, there's, there's appetites for things like traditional sales training. And there's a lot of very good tra- sales training companies. But what we found was over the years of working with sales teams was it wasn't so much that the salespeople didn't have the skills. Um, they didn't have the confidence. They just didn't necessarily believe in the products that they were out there selling or they weren't paying attention to a lot of the products that they had to offer. Or frankly, they just weren't consistent in the way they were talking about the the, prop, the value proposition of their brand or their, their product set. And we looked at it and we said, that's not a sales training problem. It's a marketing problem. Mm-hmm. And when we started interview after you know, having, having run successful consulting businesses in the past, we said this time around, we're going to build it for the marketer. We're really going to build this as a, um, as a resource for marketers as they're bringing things to market, as they're launching new products, new messages, new campaigns, really to bridge the gap between what's happening in the marketing side of the house and the people who are out there talking to the customers. I got to ask this question. You know, our good friend, we have this friendly um, sort of banter mm-hmm. and competition. For some reason, a lot of people... Um, have branded us more in the marketing space. Although I argue that we are actually better at sales than we are at marketing, but that's fine. That's just the public perception. Um, We have friends that are sales trainers. Our friend uh, that is a sales trainer argues, makes the argument that there is no such thing as marketing, that it's actually all sales. What do you say to that? Um, do, if, if we're looking to get into a into a, a back and forth here, maybe we get us both on someday. Um, so, so I'm a salesperson. I'm a sales. Per, I'm a salesperson at, at heart. So, um, so, so I'm going I'm to answer your question the way you didn't expect. Okay. Um, I think that th- I think there is marketing. I think there is sales. But I think where all those things come together and culminate is in customer experience. And I think as we look three, five years into the future, um, there may be no marketing or sales. It will all just be customer experience. It will be kind of woven into this, this point of view. We, we look at we look at customer experience as the point where marketing and sales meet, right? And, you know, our marketing and the frontline teams meet. So um, I, I guess I'm, I'm, my answer is going to be neither. I don't know that, I don't know that, you know, everything is sales because I do think that there's marketing, but I think what ends up happening a lot of times is marketers are having their interaction and their engagement with customers or prospective customers directly, but then the people who they rely on to sort of back up their story and deliver for those customers aren't necessarily always on the same page or in a lot of cases, they're not on the same page. So I would argue that they do have to work in concert, but both organizations, both silos need to be thinking about customer experience as the end goal. That's yeah, that's a great answer. Great answer. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic answer. So I got to ask, because I know you do a lot of stuff with brand alignment, and I love that you're talking about customer experience, because like we said at the very beginning, I think there's a lot of people out there when as soon as you say brand, they think about their colors and their logo, and then this first visibility that the consumer may see. But brand permeates so much more than just what the person sees. So for all of our listeners out there and our viewers, can you bring briefly describe what you consider and what people need to consider when it comes to their brand? Yeah. So, so this is the way I I talk about it. I I believe that the brand is a set of promises that a company is making to its customers. That's Mm -hmm. what I think a brand is. Now, 
I don't even, I don't even think of the brand. Like I don't even think of the logo and the colors. They, they just, they're sort of an expression of that. But I look at it as a brand, the brand itself and, and what brand is, is it at its core is the promise or the set of promises that an organization is making to its customers. Um, customer experience is the, is the process of, um, the discipline really of, of delivering on those promises, right? It's promise made, promise kept. And we don't think that those two things should be siloed. We think that they need to be thought of in, in one, one continuum. And I'm going to give you one example that I, I'm actually building a presentation for a speaking engagement with a, with a franchise company on Friday. And um, one of the examples I'm going to talk about is Southwest. Spoiler alert for the people if they're in attendance. But um, I'm going to talk about Southwest Airlines. And the example I use, forget logo, forget tagline, forget, forget colors. Um, when you're on a Southwest flight and one of the flight attendants tells a joke, it's funny. When you're on American Airlines flight and the flight attendant makes a joke, it's not funny. Like, so it's, it's, and when you talk about brand, like, is that part of their brand? Yeah, it's part of their brand, right? It's, it's an extension of who they are saying they are going to be. And that lives in a lot of different ways. It lives in behaviors. Brands like Southwest understand that. Brands like Chick-fil-A know that. Um, a lot of brands don't. A lot of brands look at it as we're going to market. People are going to show up. There's going to be demand. And then we'll leave it to the call center or the retail store, or whomever it is, or the sales team to manage what happens after that. We don't think you can look at it as us and them. It has to be all part of one. That is that I have a feeling I that's going to end out up, a little bit. Like you know, I, first I need of all, to laugh yes. on American Airlines a little more. Yeah, we're, we are American Airline flyers. <laughs> and I have a I feeling too, I didn't say I wasn't. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm got status with Americans. So yeah, the jokes aren't funny. So. I have a feeling that's going to end up as a uh, as a uh, paid ad somewhere yeah. on our page. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this this brand it permeates through all all of the things that we're doing. Um, let's then walk it back, and this might be rather. Um, I guess, um, elementary for you, but just for, for the sake of the people that are watching, they're listening to give them a starting point. Um, let's say that they do adopt that position. Like you were saying, look, I, I just want to run ads. I want marketing, um, get them in. I'll be able to talk to them or my team. We talk to them. We're closers. We're just, we're, we're master closers. And then now they hear you speak and they're like, you know what? You have a good point, right? Like I, I, you know, Southwest has, like, that makes sense. They have a brand. I don't have a brand. Where do I start? Oh, wow. I mean, I, so I think, so I'm going to, I'm going to speak to my area of expertise. Okay. I, I will only, only talk to what I know. So um, in terms of, in terms of building a brand, the, the, the part, the aspect of building a brand that I'll focus on is really th this idea of thinking about who it is that really what you want that experience to be that gets attached to that brand. And again, I do believe that over time, the, the words branding and, and, you know, experience or customer experience are going to be almost synonymous, right? The experience is really going to define what people think of the brand. It won't be packaging and logo and, and, and things like that anymore. And frankly, even products, right? And I, I was talking earlier with a colleague, you think about Chick-fil-A, is Chick-fil-A successful because they're the best chicken sandwich around? I mean, it's good chicken. Like, don't get me wrong, but they're not competing on that. They've decided to compete on another in another area. So when I think of somebody building a brand, I look at it as, yeah, I do believe it comes back to things like mission, vision, values, and things like that. But I think it needs to go a step further. And you really thinking about what are the behaviors that are associated with your brand? Ultimately, that's what my organization and I do. We take what the, who you want your brand to be 
and we, we are professional translators. We translate it into behaviors. What are the behaviors that you want your people to take that will, will align with who you want to be as a brand? It doesn't mean you're going to try to be everything to everyone and you're going to expect to be perfect with everything, but you're going to pick the things that you want to do consistently every single time. And the customers who like that are going to be attracted to you and you're going to win. You're going to win with the segment that you want. So if you can take it that extra step and say, here's who we're going to say we want to be, but here are the actions that align with what we say, right? I had a CMO uh, say to me one time, um, I'm afraid that my, we, we have a great, we have a great new brand positioning, but I'm afraid we won't walk the talk. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw that out to your listeners and say, ask yourself, what does it mean if my organization walks the talk? Well, that's really interesting. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was just listening to you and I was thinking about a couple things. Number one, I love what you're talking about. We actually are having our own marketing workshop that we're doing live um, next week with about 250 people there. And it's a marketing workshop and a ton of the content we're teaching on is customer experience. And so I'm glad that you've been able to bridge the two for our listeners. Um, but that's the one thing that I kept coming up in my research in creating this content is if you're going to have a brand promise and you're going to say, these are the actions and this is how we need to show up. And this is the walk uh, that we need to talk, walk the walk. There we go. Um, a lot of times people have difficulty because maybe they position their brand one way and they're trying to make a change. And now they can't get their organization on board. They can't get their team to buy in. They can't get everybody to consistently show up and execute the brand promise. And so it's one thing to say, these are the promises we want to deliver, but it's a whole nother thing to consistently have everybody on the team deliver it. So is there any advice or things that you've seen to help begin to get people all in when it comes to your team and your organization? Yeah, it's it's an excellent question, and it, it that's the hard part, right? We we, yeah. what we we always talk about what we do and say, you know, we're we're doing hard work. This is if, if organizations, if this was easy, organizations would have this figured out. So, right. Um, the uh, the way we think about it is this: most marketers know what their customers think of them, right? They know what they think of them in some way, shape, or form. And I know, I'm going to overly simplify this for a minute, but you think about the the average marketer. Now, if you're a small business, maybe you don't have as sophisticated as a, of a listening mechanism or research mechanism, but most marketers, especially in a lot of the brands that we work with, they have research teams, they have marketing teams, they have research partners. So they know what their customers think of them. Um, do they know what the people who talk to the customers think of them? Do they know what the, the person in the call center, the person uh, on the showroom floor, do they know what that person thinks of them? Um, the reality is, most organizations ask what their frontline teams know, but they don't ask them what they think. And they don't ask them their perception. They don't identify where some of their biases are. They don't identify where there might be obstacles to them talking about new products and services or talking about that new campaign. Um, so what we've done, our organization, to sort of combat this, and it's a, it's, a, it's a great point, that to get everybody aligned, we believe that the first step in alignment is listening. Right. In any relationship, if you want to get aligned, you've got to listen to understand people. We built a frontline insights tool called the brand transfer study. And very simply, what it does is it takes the same type of approach an organization would, uh, would, would take for market research to go understand what their customers think about them. And we deploy a very similar study inside your organization. So now we're able to look at 
a couple of things. Um, where where do they have confidence or where do they lack it when it comes to their to your brand specifically? Not do I like my brand or do I not like my brand? But we break it down. We really understand what the value proposition is and we pinpoint what are some of the areas of, of concern or where are some of the areas of, of strength and confidence. Um, the other thing that we're able to look at is alignment. So we're able to measure we can look at, we can compare any two groups responses against each other and determine statistically how far apart or, or how far aligned or misaligned they are. So it's a long way of saying that the best way to start with the alignment process and to keep it going on, the, you know, on an ongoing basis is to listen to your people on a regular basis, solicit the feedback, find out if you are, when we talk about winning hearts and minds, well, organizations focus so much on the mind part and they forget the heart part. Ask them what they think, ask them how they feel about what they represent. Look at the information and figure out where there are gaps. It's, it's really that simple. Okay, but you were saying earlier, so a, a CMO that's like, hey, we have this great plan, but I, I have a fear that we won't execute. Um, so just from an administrative standpoint, there is a little bit of a gap between, okay, so I've invested in creating this plan. And now the the recommendation is then I bring the plan to my team, but I also need to listen and get feedback. And, and, and I'm looking for alignment. Um, I would imagine that a big challenge is what do we do when there is not alignment? Are you suggesting that I just go with the way that my team wants me to go as far as direction? Should I look more to my clients that, that, that are paying me? How do I bridge that gap once I've, once I've identified that they exist? It's probably the question we get asked more than any other single question. Which do I listen to? Um, and it, it's the, the phrase we would say, it's, it's not right or wrong, right? What, 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 we, what we give back, it's not, it's not there's a set of right answers and a set of wrong answers. Um, it really is up to the organization to determine, right? We have seen scenarios where when we built the brand transfer study, our assumption was very, very clean, very clear. We believe that organizations would have their marketing team be gung-ho about their new launch, their new campaign, their new positioning. It would go out to the field and there'd be some breakdown in the message and the corporate team would say, get them all on message. They're wrong, get them all on message. And it has not played out that way, kind of to our surprise. Mm -hmm. We actually find in a lot of cases that the marketing teams are rating whatever off, whatever it is they're bringing to market, whether it's a campaign or, or a new product or a new service, they're actually rating it lower than the field is. They're rating it lower than their frontline teams are. And that's very telling. When we're trying to find and help them understand what to do next, that is very telling. So, um, so we have, we have one, I have one client who his philosophy is the front lines are always right. Whatever they tell us is what we need to do and what we need to execute because they talk to customers. They know the customer. I have another uh, person, another client that says the exact opposite. He says, I don't care what message they think we should be telling. We have all the data that tells us what the customer wants to hear fall in line. So we've, we've heard both ends of the spectrum. It just depends. Okay. I was going to say, but I, I love this concept because, you know, we don't, we don't typically, typically work with very, very large corporations. We work with the more small business owner with smaller teams. And we have always been advocates for, you know, you have to do focus groups. You need to talk to your, your prospects. You need to talk to your customers. But I love this concept because it's also doing a focus group with your team and really understanding and listening. Like you're, you're saying listening to not what just they know, but how they feel. And I don't think that that happens enough in a smaller business setting, but I think it's just as valuable. So I appreciate the concept. I want to, I want to continue that walkthrough. So 
marketing and then your background in sales. Um, how do we maintain that alignment, right? So that that gap between marketing and sales, we kind of teach that marketing creates awareness, doesn't really, you know, close, doesn't get you, doesn't generate revenue. Then we move over into sales where we're actually then, you know, looking to make the ask, get the revenue generated. Um, inside that gap and then, and then extending off into the sales world, what role does brand play there? I mean, because probably one of the difficulties, and you probably have a lot of experience in this, is that oftentimes the really great salespeople tend to be mavericks, right? They're just like, <laughs> just don't mess with me. I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. Um, how do we get how do we get a really good sales team to be in alignment with the brand? Yeah, I think that the, you know, I'm going to go back to the listening. I, I start with the listening. I think one of the best ways to build trust and, and a better working relationship between marketing and sales is to have there be this feedback loop. If marketers are, are going to their sales teams in earnest and saying, whether it's a focus group or, or a study, and I, I can give some thoughts on how to set this up, you know, regardless of the size of your company to be successful. Um, but if the marketing side of the house is listening to the sales side of the house, they're building trust, right? They're establishing that we want to know what you know, right? We talk about the view from the front lines, right? Um, there's nothing more dangerous than a marketer that went on rideouts for a week with salespeople out in the field, right? There's nothing more dangerous because they come back and they say, I, we, I saw 10 customers this week. You're never going to believe it. We got to change this. We got to scrap that display. We got, and they come back and they're, and they're, they tr they're energized because they feel like they actually got to be out there and, and see where the rubber was hitting the road. If you can, if you can build a mechanism where that's happening on a regular basis and you're actually following data, not following, you know, one disgruntled, you know, conversation that you have with a, with a customer, then you're going to find yourself in a spot where you can make informed decisions and you're making decisions that your sales team is going to feel good about, right? You're making decisions that with them in mind, um, a, a big part of it, honestly, is not only are we asking them where we, you know, what they think of it, but we're asking them if, if we are going to help them build more confidence in the brand or in the product or whatever it is that we're, we're, we're measuring, how do they, how can we build that confidence? How can we support them in building that confidence? We ask them what content they want to consume. We ask them where they want to consume it. We're asking them how much, you know, how much time is sensible in, in terms of the content that we produce. Um, you know, we've built podcasts for our, for our clients before where they have sales reps, they're going appointment to appointment, you know, business to business. And in between, they can listen to a 17 minute podcast and digest some information rather than a 90 minute, a 90 minute session. If you want to reach an audience, hear them out, meet them on their terms and provide them the things, the tools, the resources that they need to feel empowered, right? That's what we do with buyers. That's what we do with customers. That's what marketers do with customers. They don't do it with their sales teams. Just do what you do as a marketer, but just do it inside your organization. I know you're going to ask about some insights into how to do that, which you mentioned. Um, but before that, um, what about the solopreneur? Because I mm -hmm. think, so this is really, so what you're saying makes a ton of sense. Nothing more dangerous than, right, the marketer that goes out. But what if it's the same person? Yeah. <laughs> and then we have this, like, I mean, you described it to a T, but you're describing it in, like, a, you know, separation of marketing and sales. When you have a solopreneur, this this causes them to get like super schizophrenic because they like know what they want at their core and what they want to stand for and what, what, what they want to project and the messaging they want to deliver. But then they run into um, on, you know, sales situations, sales scenarios, and then they get some feedback, or maybe even pushback. Then they go back and it's, it's them, 
right? So they're, then they switch their hat and they're like, well, I'm doing it all wrong, right? My price pointing is off. My marketing is off. And then, and then as soon as they run into another objection, so now they can get themselves caught into a negative feedback loop, right? Because they're just constantly receiving this feedback and they're, they're, they're becoming, you know, very schizophrenic in their out. approach. <laughs> what do you recommend in that case? How do we filter out what we should be listening to and not listening to? If we can figure that out on, on this call, we're, we're, we're all going to make a lot of money because this, oh, this is it, something that you tell me I'll market it. <laughs> entrepreneurs, it, it. I struggle with this every single day. Uh, right. I, I mean, I really do. I mean, my, you know, our, our, our company is, you know, we're fortunate that our company is a size where, you know, I focus on uh, company strategy, revenue generation, thought leadership and things like that. And my business partner is running the business and, and she has a team that's, that's serving our clients and things like that. And we're able to divide and conquer a little bit. So I'm the one that is really out there. I'm the storyteller for our brand. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, so part of part of my suggestion is get a partner because having a check, you know, check and balance in place. No, but it but it, I really think that actually um, this is really hard for entrepreneurs to grasp. I've learned it over the years and I've gotten much better at it. But if you decide who you want to be, and you define out what that experience looks like, what you want to deliver, really the, 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 the type of, of connection you want to make with a client. If you stick to that, you are going to save yourself a lot of heartache. You might pass up on some short-term dollars, but you are, going to, you are going to save on a lot of heartache. And yeah, there's temptation to say, you know, but a deal's a deal's a deal. And, and somebody told me, uh, we have a, a friend that's in a marketing agency and said, we're, we're a yes agency. If you ask us if we can do something and it's, generally related to our skill set we say yes that's not a that's not a way to run a successful business in my opinion mm -hmm. it's not a way to run a successful business and stay sane if you want to stay sane you really need to identify what it is that you are out there to sell um why you think it's valuable why you think it, it, it it's it's different from the competition and you stick to your guns it's about telling the story as frequently as you possibly can and you're going to find the right people um you can't bend your story to other people it's so hard it's so much easier said than done yeah that is a big problem we see so so my thing that i i think about whether it's one person or a team of five or a team of a hundred so once you decide all of these things and you decide what your brand is going to show up as how do you how do you keep it in front of them you know what I mean? Like, so, cause that's, that's something I noticed, like when there's changes in a company and everybody is excited and, you know, maybe I'm, I'm talking to the marketer and the, the marketer's talking to the salesperson and we do get those bursts of energy and passion, but how do we maintain levels of consistency of this is what we're about? Do you have any suggestions on that? Cause I know that could be very helpful. Yeah. I, so um, I hosted a session today for a client of ours and um, we're in that phase of our engagement with them. We are in the take the training wheels off, give them a push and they have to ride on their own, so to speak. And uh, th th there's a couple of ways we do it. First of all, in that client's instance, they have they have a brand platform that they're punching way above their weight. They're, they're a small, medium-sized business, but they have a brand platform that is as good from an inside and outside perspective as any brand platform we've ever worked with. And we work with, you know, Fortune 1000 brands. Um, what they are doing is we, we are providing them different touch points with their employees that they will now own, things that we've done to start that they will now own, where instead of focus on you, you said consistency. Consistency is very important. Consistency within certain guardrails, right? But what we try to do is we try to get them focused on constant improvement. So continuous improvement. 
what, how can you get your organization, your people talking to one another about how they continue, can continue to raise the bar as it relates to certain behaviors, certain pillars of, of, of your brand experience? You know, again, I talked about that translation, turning the, the message into actions. What are the things they should do and how should they show up? And we hosted this, um, call it a roundtable session with the, the sales team from this brand earlier today. And we just got them to soak in it. We got them talking about it. So giving them opportunities to share in a peer-to-peer fashion is the most powerful tool that we've ever seen to drive not only initial adoption, but sort of that ongoing commitment to continuous improvement. There's no more powerful force than Jim's doing this and this is working or that was working for two, for the last two years, but customers have changed and we need to change that to this and we need to step Mm -hmm. it up. If they're in the, if they have that mechanism to continually talk about that, that's a great way to kind of keep the flame lit. And Mm -hmm. that way you're not always talking about the same things you're talking about what's current, what customers need and how, how we can adapt. Yeah. What's working well, what needs to be improved, right? Yep. Um, you mentioned you had some thoughts on how you would structure if we were to um, launch an inquiry, focus group, et cetera. Um, I would be remiss if I let you go without exploring <laughs> that. Um, what are what are some best practices or tips or thoughts you have around doing that? I'm glad you came back to that because I think there's, you know, I, I want to be able to speak to organizations of any size. Um, what we do for large organizations is uh, custom systematic research projects, right? We are, we are measuring large sample sizes. These are, these are companies that have employee sets and and frontline channels that are large enough to get representative samples. If you don't have a huge team, I think the, the principles that will apply no matter what are be asking and gathering information consistently. Don't create a series of ad hoc, um, uh, uh, survey monkeys or um, don't do that, right? Pick the things out that you want to consistently measure so you can look at them over time and see how they change, right? And, and they're going to be employees that come and go and that's totally understandable. But but having a baseline of, you know, it could be you do a focus group and you're asking a consistent set of questions and you've got a set of notes, right? Or maybe you score how you think the session went or something like that go do the same thing over and over and over again. Have it be a consistent structured approach, not an ad hoc approach that, that's just a bunch of surveys. Mm-hmm. So that would be one thing that I would say. The other I would say is do not confuse what I'm talking about with an employee engagement survey. Mm-hmm. They are not the same thing, okay? We are very much focused. We believe you know, customer experience and employee experience, they cross at some point. Those, those, those two vectors, those two paths cross at some point. Mm-hmm. We're focused on where they cross. Focus on what happens when that interaction occurs, right? What are the things that they care about? What are the things they're talking about? They're talking about value. They're talking about, you know, they're talking about brand. They're delivering an experience. What are the things that are, that are crossing over there? That's what we measure. That's what we choose to measure. Asking people how satisfied they are with their compensation plan or the snacks in the break room, or even, you know, a question like ENPS, which is how likely are you to recommend this workplace to a friend or family member? Um, That's not this. That's not what we are talking about. That is useful. That, That is very useful. What we're developing is really intelligence for the marketing side of the house to really figure out how to get their brand to market the best way. So just that would be my, my structure it and don't confuse this with employee engagement. So the website is interview group, I N N E R interview group.com. That's how you can uh, get in touch with Chris. Um, 
Chris, what type of person should be reaching out to you now that they've heard you explain what you're all about? So um, I'll, tr I'll try to make it as simple as possible. Somebody that's sitting, sitting on the next big thing, somebody that's sitting on their company's make or break, right? The, typically when we go to work with an organization, it's the, we have this rebrand or we just merged with another company um, or, or, you know, we've got this major product launch. It's usually the next big thing is the reason why somebody brings us in. They can't get it wrong. So if you're sitting there saying, you know, I, I've got, I've got this team, you know, depending on what size it is, um, you know, if you've got a team that you need to get a message out to and you can't miss and you can't have people be off message, uh, that's when people reach out. So that would be my advice. Love it. High mm -hmm. stakes. I love it. <laughs> you, like, you like those high stakes clients. I love that. I love mm -hmm. that. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. It's been absolutely tons of value, tons mm -hmm. of gold in there. And I hope that, you know, as we always say with every episode, I mean, listening to a podcast is great. Listening and getting information is even better. Um, this is not, we're not a comedy podcast. I'm telling jokes here. <laughs> listening we're and executing. Listening and executing is where the magic's at. Right. You know, and I love that tip. My takeaway today, like, you know, consistently measure. I mean, we've been guilty of that, right? Yep. Like going out into the field. Date, uh, collecting some data point that we were interested in and then never, never looking, looking at, at, it, at again. it again. I know. I was I mean, thinking the same thing. That is uh, super valuable. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. You've been a fantastic guest. Thank you very much. Thanks for the chance. It was great speaking with both of you. All right, everybody. We'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Either Lacey and I will be here just chatting it up or we'll bring you another fantastic guest. I don't know. You're just going to have to roll the dice to see what we do then. Talk to you next week. Make sure that you subscribe on your favorite platform. Leave us a review. Yep. On almost every podcast, every author, they read most of their reviews. Leave us a message. Let us know what you think. See you next week.